conversations with interesting and inspiring people in the large yacht industry. The large yacht industry is, of course, one aspect of luxury travel. So today I am pleased to welcome Jacqueline Sienna India, who is the founder of the company Sienna Charles. Based in New York, Jacqueline combines her longtime passions for travel and luxury with a shrewd understanding of what some of the world's most discerning individuals want and need. On behalf of Sienna Charles clients, she therefore personally vets, selects, and creates extraordinary experiences, spending more than 200 days each year doing so and having been to more than 90 countries so far. From the world's most luxurious hotels to the most in-demand health gurus, her little black book of contacts provides her the ultimate in personal experiences and recommendations for her clients. So it's little wonder then that Jacqueline believes that no adventure is beyond the imagination. She also believes that there is more to learn and to experience as a result of all of this and of course the pandemic. So we will be talking about several of these topics and more today. Let me bring her in here. Jacqueline, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Hi, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. Terrific to have you. Thanks. I appreciate it. So I know you established Sienna Charles in 2008, but what convinced you to do so? Did you identify a need or a lost opportunity maybe when it came to cultivating extraordinary experiences? Absolutely. My background started at a five-star luxury restaurant in Philadelphia while I was attending college. And I saw there, even though that wasn't my interest at the time, I was going to school for art history. I saw there over the dining table how important it was for service. And at that point, uh, we were one of 13 five-star mobile restaurants in the country. And not coming from that world or that background or have ever seen seen a a dining situation like that before, I understood the passion that came with putting together each and every one of those meals. The chef knew every everywhere that all of the ingredients came from. He knew all of his suppliers. The sommelier knew every vintage. He's talked with every winemaker. He's walked every vineyard. And I saw how when that came together, but also it was all, all about the preferences of the diner as well. And so when I was kind of graduating school, I wanted to see what was the next steps for me. And I thought for sure I wanted to work in travel or hospitality. So at that time I got a job at a luxury travel agency servicing many of the same clients that were being serviced in the restaurant. And I started to see that that service element and that passion wasn't really carried through trips that were 10, 20, 30 times the cost of that dinner. At that time, travel wasn't really innovative, and a lot of the women that were booking travel at the time had never traveled. And it seemed so strange to me that witnessing from that restaurant situation where the chef and the sommelier would talk so passionately about each of those products and each of those meals and the creativity and the inspiration that went into why they put each item on the table and the customization that went into that, even as much pride as the chef had in the morel mushrooms that he picked if you were allergic to them or if you didn't like mushrooms he would tailor the the dish to you and so you would book a trip to Italy or you would book a trip to France and I would see that I didn't even understand how it was possible that somebody could a travel agent at that time could book a trip for an ultra high net worth person 
and not even be able to visualize or explain how they were going to leave the airport or what the hotel looked like. And so I decided at that point to marry a lot of the elements and ethos that I adapted in that restaurant and take it to travel. And I said that I would take on clients only that, that I could help service them in a way where I would never sell a trip that I've never been on. And I would be able to describe with passion every element of that trip and I would customize it to them. And so that's what we've been doing for the last 12 years. Great. Makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So experiences like that, that very um, hands-on, firsthand ability to tell your clients what they could experience and their ability to do that themselves really had to take a huge pause earlier this year because of COVID. Um, I know in the, the yacht charter world, a lot of the brokers that I had spoken with back in, say, March and April had said that they went from cancellation after cancellation because their customers were understandably in panic mode, not knowing what they could do and whether they'd be able to do anything. But then after a short number of weeks towards maybe more mid-April to uh, towards May, it went 180 degrees in the other direction. People were ringing their phones off the hook, looking to book boats and book them in very short periods of time if the boats were even available, with some, which was something that they had never experienced before. They had really never had that many people looking to book so quickly. Um, and in my discussions with them, you know, it, it seemed like it was one broker after another. It wasn't just one person here, one person there. It wasn't random at all. So I'm wondering if you have observed and experienced anything similar with your own clients. And I know some of your clients enjoy yachting. So if, if you could even relay some of the, the observations you have to yachting. Absolutely. All of our trips in February and March, once people caught wind of what was going on, were canceled. We, I would say 95% of our clients are families. And so they very much travel in the pattern of spring break. And then the next trip would be summer. Um, so all of our spring break trips were canceled. And at that time, we didn't really start to receive any new requests until July, uh, because as you know, the situation was evolving every minute and every day. All of our clients are CEOs and titans of their industry, and they wanted to be there for their team. They were waiting to see what happened with the world, with the economy, and also be there to formulate and execute on the new strategy in this ever-changing world, and also keeping morale up. So in about July, we started to get a lot of requests. Our clients historically have always wanted to travel very close to their departure date because their schedules are so busy and not ever firm until the same week. So that wasn't anything new for us. Um, our yachting business, I think last year we did probably 30% yachts, 30% villas, and then the 25% hotel only bookings, and then 25% more unique experiences like Africa and more exotic destinations our yachting bookings have gone up to about 75%. So they've been taking the majority of all of our bookings since the booking started happening in July. And rightfully so, I think yachting is a, is a type of travel where clients feel like they could own and control the entire situation. So it, it seems like a very manageable trip for them where we can get the staff tested and we can pre-plan every element of it so that way that there's no curveballs thrown in to make everyone feel nervous. 
So yachting has definitely been very important for us right now. I'm glad you brought that up that, first of all, you've seen a tremendous jump in, in um, your yacht bookings. That's remarkable that it's up to 75% so far this year. Good on you and, and good on your clients for deciding to really take advantage of yachting. You know, this this rebound in yacht vacations and certainly a huge, huge uptick in yacht buying. A, a lot of people are ascribing it to this desire to have a safe, controlled way to spend time with their families. And that's absolutely a huge part of it. But talk a little bit more about your the the discussions you've had with your clients you know how how are they relating to it i'm wondering if there might actually be a little bit more to this than the you know the the seemingly too simplistic explanation of yachting is safe you can social distance therefore let's do it in speaking to that i would say of course there's more to it but i think that it I think that yes, it is a simple explanation, but I think it does feel more controlled for the guests. It does feel safe and, and they have control over how many people they come in contact with, where the food is bought. When you go to a hotel, you're not able to have that control. You won't know who walks through the lobby. You don't know how many staff members are going to come in on different shifts. You don't know where they're buying the food and the contact that the chef has with the food. So we really can control the situation start to finish. Right, right. Makes a lot of sense. So where have some of your clients been traveling this year? Have they stayed primarily, out of the American clients, I should say, have they stayed primarily in the States? Have you had some people overseas staying primarily in their own countries? Um, people are a little bit more adventurous, more the more money they have. Um, I find if they're not flying commercial and they, and they have their own plane or they're accustomed to chartering an aircraft, um, we've had people go a little bit more further afield. So the places that we've booked many of the trips, and most of them, including yachting, was Turkey, Alaska, Bora Bora, and some Caribbean stuff, as well as Montenegro. So we just find that, unfortunately, money actually puts the, the client in a different situation in order to go a little bit further. Um, the clients, historically, that were traveling first class felt like they didn't have the same control over the situation, granted, if the borders closed or they were able to get out if the airline changed some of their rules or restrictions. So they felt a little bit more hesitant in order to go a little bit further. So those clients were doing more uh, staycation style things. We were booking Amangiri a lot for them. We were booking some private homes and villas around uh, the coast. So different, different clientele for different destinations for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, traveling is, um, in some respects, a little bit easier now compared to months ago when borders were closed and landing privileges were much harder, of course, to, to obtain. The biggest challenge, though, I see in the next several months and extending for sure into 2021 is how to adapt the high-touch practices that we have in, in the luxury world to this no contact world that we're living in. Do you have any thoughts on, on how companies in this sector can do that? I think it's very difficult. And to be perfectly frank, I felt like a lot of the service elements and ways in which the larger companies and even medium companies were actually approaching luxury travel to begin with. I felt like last year and the previous three years, I would travel 90 days a year. I would see a ton of products. And at the end of the day, I would really only be able to 
sell very few hotels or airlines to my clients knowing that it was a great experience for them. I felt like they were all about focused on growth instead of service. They were focused on the millennial market and they were really downgrading a lot of their products. I think I've stayed at a lot of hotels throughout the pandemic just to understand how it would work. And I've noticed, and a lot of my clients have that the quality of a lot of products have actually gone down. There's a huge shift in the industry today coming from three different parts. One is coming from the fact that hotels, restaurants, airlines, and other service providers are lowering their quality in order to stay alive. So that great, you know, farm fresh food they ordered before, maybe they're, now they're getting it in a more commercial sense. Um, they have had to cut down on a lot of staff. So maybe they're, they've cut on some of those key hires that had higher salary in order to just hire more people to service everything. Um, and so we also find that a lot of companies are pivoting try, that never really serviced the ultra high net worth that now know that the, that the trend is more towards private. And so you'll see lower tier travel companies and hotels that are now trying to offer villas and private jets when then that was not a market that they were even familiar with. And then lastly, we see that the very high net worth travel segment, people that are worth 5 million to 30 million, before where they would take maybe four trips a year and on average maybe spend 20,000 to 15,000 a trip, they now are interested in spending double that amount but taking less of the trips. And so they're also moving into a lot of the, those travel products, into the hotels and the restaurants that they never really would have went before. And they're enjoying a lesser service that the hotel and restaurant are offering. And they're not questioning it because they, they don't have any comparable to that. So roundabout way of answering your question, I, I think it depends on the owner, the operator, the type of product it is. I think that hospitality, like I'm saying, has gotten a lot less hospitable feeling in the last couple of years anyway. And alive and they're moving with the new regulations and they're using it sometimes as an excuse for a lesser service or for um, a better service experience. I noticed in a lot of restaurants, I've been staying in LA for the last couple of months at my house and I've noticed a lot of the restaurants, you don't even know who your server is. People are wearing two masks. They, they're all about just getting the job done and servicing as many people as possible. And I think it really just depends how it's going to move in the future. If you look at the fine dining restaurants in France compared to the restaurants in America, how are they capturing and maintaining that essence of service? when we're, we were losing it anyway. Right, right. Now, what about in the, in the yachting world? We have a far smaller turnover of staff on these yachts, simply because of the nature of the yachts. You don't burn through employees, so, you know, so to speak, the way that perhaps hotels and, and restaurants do. But are there any lessons to be learned in the yachting sector from the, the, the problems that have been going on? I think it's about staying true to all of the things that made the yachting sector so special, so unique, and so coveted by the ultra high net worth. It's that attention to detail, it's the service, it's the personalization, and it's customization. So I think that as companies, whether it's from a, whether it's from a, a travel company that's selling the, the yachting product, or if it's from the the yacht brokers themselves. I think it's staying true to that reason of, of that elegance and service 
that made it the industry so special. It's not, it shouldn't turn into, if now if this is pivoting towards more yachting trips, it, it shouldn't turn into what the hotel industry did, just heads and beds. It, it should always be true to itself with that personalization. Right, right. And now that we're also attracting more newcomers to yachting, I think there's a, a bit of a an education that needs to go on with the new customers from the industry. For years, our industry has been very lucky to have repeat buyer after repeat buyer and experienced donor after experienced donor as the lifeblood. And they still are a tremendous part of the buying experience and the charter experience. But especially this year, we have seen a, a large uptick of first-time owners and first-time charter guests. So what might be some lessons there? Do you think it's the same lessons as far as yachting is concerned to keep that high level of, of customer service and personalized attention and just gently better educate these people that this is the way to go and they will be able to experience things that they aren't experiencing elsewhere? What type of education are you referring to? Well, when I say education, I mean not a literal education, but sort of the the way that the customer is treated. Um, you know, there's there's a difference in buying a say an 80 footer, 150 footer um, versus say a, a 35 footer or 50 footer. Obviously, the customer is still treated respectfully with that quote unquote small boat, but it's a completely different customer experience and there's different things that the brokers might ask the builders might ask um you know more about cruising more about family time um you know more about their life i think in in the experience in the experience of getting to know that customer i'm just wondering if you if you think maybe some of those you know more personal more comfortable um conversations or things that the yachting industry should continue to emphasize with these new Absolutely. Coming. Absolutely. I think if you look at the way it happened to the hotel industry and the restaurant industry and the airline industry, where an Instagram is a huge part of that, where they, those companies and concerns made it that luxury was available to everyone. And that's what kept yachting really unique, not for everybody. And I think it's in three different ways of how the yachting industry approaches that in order to maintain it's elegance. And I think it's one in the marketing. Um, I think if it's, you know, if you look at Instagram, you see any person who probably can't even afford to pay their rent is taking a selfie in front of, you know, a big glossy pool at a hotel. So I think it's in the marketing that it, it the marketing needs to be kept really elite, like, you know, Benetti Yachts does and um, all of the great Italian companies not to sell out to that style marketing in order to get more bookings. I think it's also how the tech companies approach it and how all of the different travel companies that not creating affordable options like they've done with jet suite or blade where people are just, everyone's going to hop on a yacht and everyone becomes a yachter. And I think it's also that service of how you book a yacht right now, when you work with a broker and you go through the forms or the questionnaire of, you know, what time do you want your meals? How do you want your food source? Which do you need a uh, feather free, bedding? Do you, would you like flowers on board? How do you want your catering and which ones would you like stocked? Um, I think that if that starts to become where the booking is taken for granted and we start to lose that, that special preference onboarding with the brokers, I think that'll eliminate it as well. So I think if you pay attention to what was done before, 
yes, we all want more yachting bookings. Yes, we all want to continue the success of that the yachting has seen this year, but I think it needs to be done in a very thoughtful and careful way. Right, absolutely, I agree. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for coming on today and for sharing your insight. It's uh, it, It's been good to have you, and I think people will definitely hear a lot of, of what they were hoping to learn from our conversation, and there's certainly some food for thought for people to come with as well. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Everyone, if you'd like to learn more about Jacqueline and Sienna Charles, you can visit the website, which is SiennaCharles.com. That wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share the word on social media, plus subscribe to our feed automatically. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Google Play Music. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about what's going on in the world of large yacht cruising, new construction and design, you can check out our daily updated website, which is megayachtnews.com. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne.